up inquirers and welcome to yet another bizarre installment of inquiries of our reality the dogman topic is something frequently theorized about on the show some encounters make it seem like they may be more physical in this reality while others definitely seem to have some high strangeness aspects to them those encounters a lot of the time never get reported due to the experiencer not even knowing how to place it in their own mind but lucky for us after years of keeping the memory repressed Today's guest decided to share his experience to help possibly form a better understanding of what these things could potentially be. But before we get into this awesome episode today, got the uh, usual news updates and front of the house stuff. So uh, for anybody that hasn't already picked up on it, and I've been talking about it for a while now, and it is quickly approaching, I will be vending and speaking at the Snarly U Presents Cryptid Halloween 2 uh, Cryptid Festival and Halloween Craft Show. That will be October 28th from 12 to 6, and that will be at the American Legion in Charlestown, West Virginia. Uh, there is some more info for this event down in the uh, show description. It will be a free event. It will be a lot of fun, and it will be the first time that I've been able to speak at an event. And it won't just be me, it will be my awesome co-host Orn from Bizarre Encounters. And uh, we have three different live shows set up that we're going to be doing. Uh, the first one is going to be us doing a presentation on a topic that uh, I guess will be announced the day of the event. Uh, the second will be an interview that we'll be doing, uh, talking with some uh, local investigators that check into the whole uh, wizard clip phenomenon that happens in West Virginia. And then the third show will be a free form for anybody to be able to share their encounters and make it so everybody can come up and talk about their encounters. We can break them down. Uh, we can shine some light of some stuff that we may have come across in our research on some of these. And uh, for anybody that may not want to share their encounter, I will have a notepad uh, at the table that I'll be vending at. So if anybody wants to come up anonymously and uh, leave one of their encounters, we can read it out loud. Uh, when we start presenting, leave all your names out and everything like that. And uh, I didn't actually make this offer, but to all you guys out there, if you guys want to get involved in this, even if you may not be able to attend the event, uh, if you guys send me some of your encounters, I'd love to share them at this event. And uh, I will be doing this as a live feed also, as long as I can get everything set up properly. So if you guys aren't able to make it out, you guys should still be able to catch it. And no matter what, I will be recording everything. So it may partly get dropped as episodes, but we'll probably release the full video for everything out there on YouTube. So there will be an opportunity for all you guys to be able to see it, even if you guys can't come. But I'd love to see you guys there. Hopefully you guys can make it. And if you guys are planning on coming, uh, please let me know because I'd love to know you guys by face and name already before you get there because I want to be able to hang out and get to know you guys a bit more. So uh, yeah, if anybody needs any info for that, like I said, free event, it's down in the show description. 
And as I'm sure you guys have seen, the new logo for Inquiries of All Reality has now dropped. So I wanted to give a special thank you to Chris from Conspire Theory for putting that one together for me. It's all original art. He did an amazing job on it. And uh, soon enough, I should have that up on the merch store if anybody is interested in getting a new t-shirt with the new logo and design on it. But I'm in love with it. I think it's absolutely fantastic. So again, thanks, Chris, for putting that together for me. But if anybody's interested in getting any kind of art done, um, obviously, Chris does an amazing job at it. So I highly recommend going and hitting him up if you guys need anything. And uh, moving on to the front of house stuff. If you guys haven't left a review or rating for the show, I would definitely appreciate it. It's an awesome way to make it so that the show gets seen by more people and helps the algorithms out so it pushes the show up and, again, will help the show to continue to grow. If you guys leave a five-star review on iTunes, that I will read on the show and give you guys a big shout-out. Uh, I know there's a lot of, you, a lot of you guys who have left a rating for the show on Spotify, and I more than appreciate it. Unfortunately, I'm not able to see all your guys' names, so I can't give you guys big shout-outs, but... If anybody wants to, you guys can also send me a message on Instagram. Let me know what you guys think of the show. And uh, if you guys are on the Android side listening on Spotify, then I can always share those messages on the show, which I'd love to do and give you guys a shout out. And we are in the process of that. If you think anybody will enjoy the show, uh, don't forget to share the show with people through word of mouth. It's another awesome way to help the show grow. And if you're not already following the show on social media, don't forget to check me out over on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Discord, and Telegram. Instagram and Facebook are the ones I'm the most active on. Those are under inquiries of our reality. Um, Bizarre Encounters, that one's on its own account for those things. But as far as uh, YouTube, TikTok, Discord, and Telegram go, uh, those are all the Open Minds Media ones. So that's set up for both shows. So if you're looking for inquiries or you're looking for Bizarre Encounters, uh, you guys will find both of those all in one place, all under Open Minds Media on YouTube, TikTok, Discord, and Telegram. And I'm always trying to build up those chat rooms and everything over there. So if anybody wants to hop in, I more than appreciate it. Uh, don't be discouraged. Start up a conversation. Uh, it goes in spurts. It's sometimes a little bit more active than other times, but the only way it's going to be continuously active every single day is if you guys hop in, have some conversations, and then I can kind of bounce in as, uh, as I have the ability to do so because I am kind of busy throughout the day with the family. But I get around to everything at night and I really respond to all you guys. So don't be afraid to uh, hop in and share some of your ideas over there. And if anybody's interested in being a guest on the show, whether you're a ufologist, cryptozoologist, paranormal investigator, uh, abductee, experiencer, author, folklorist, researcher, whistleblower, or any other type of open-minded individual, I'd love to sit down and have a conversation with you on the show. So shoot me a message on Instagram. Like I said, that's the one I'm the most active on. Or you guys can email me at inquiriesofallrealitypodcast.outlook.com. Or you guys can go to the link tree, fill the submission form, and that will go directly to my email. Uh, make sure you guys check your spam and junk folders. Make sure nothing gets missed because I do respond to every single message that I get. Um, I do send out a lot of links for the show. So unfortunately, a lot of my emails get sent to the spam or junk folder because they assume that I'm just one of those spammers that's sending out links and everything, not realizing that I'm trying to run a podcast over here, of course. And uh, if you guys haven't already checked out Bizarre Encounters, I know I was talking about it with uh, the event that it's coming up. Uh, don't forget to go and check that show out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, totally different format than this show. This is obviously more of like the interview style, open conversation style show. Over there, we do some deep dives. We do a bunch of our different research over there. Uh, it originally started as more of an interview show, but it's quickly transitioned into more of like a deep dive show where we have a lot of fun and make some jokes along the way. So if that sounds like something that might interest you, don't forget to go and uh, Follow Bizarre Encounters anywhere that you guys can. Make sure you add it to your regular rotation as far as podcasts go. And uh, if you guys want to keep tabs on both shows and everything else that I might do in the future, uh, I do have an Instagram and a Facebook, of course, set up for Open Minds Media. So make sure you keep tabs over there. Follow all three pages. It'd be the absolute best. And I'd more than appreciate it from you guys. 
And if you guys want to support the show, there's a couple different ways to do so. You guys can go and join the uh, awesome ranks of the Patreon members I got going over there. I know I've been listing them on a bunch of shows, and I love and appreciate all you guys. So I'm not just going to keep running the list throughout the shows, but you guys know who you are, of course. And uh, if you guys join the Patreon, you guys will get things such as ad-free episodes of the show, early access to the show, uh, lives of the show, live replays of the show, which is the video format of the show, and exclusive merch store discounts. And I'm always willing to add and do different things as far as the uh, Patreon goes. So if there's anything that you guys would love to see as far as the Patreon goes, don't be afraid to send me a message, throw your thoughts and ideas, because I'd love to make that as user-friendly and give you guys as much of what you want as possible. But the only way I'm ever going to be able to do that is with feedback from you guys out there. So more than appreciate if you guys are willing to do that. And uh, you guys can also donate to the show directly through Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, or Red Circle, which is the RSS host for the show. And if you guys donate to the show, let me know that you did, and I'll give you guys a big shout-out on the show because it's more than appreciated because all of that is going back towards the show to help the show continue to grow, make it so that I can go to more events, be able to meet you guys some more, get some new pockets of listeners. Uh, all goes back towards the show because I want the show to be as successful as possible and try to give as best of a platform as I possibly can for the guests that come on the show. So by doing all that kind of stuff, it'll make it so that I'm able to get some more bigger guests on the show and make it so that I can produce even more awesome content for you guys. And uh, like I was mentioning with one of the perks that you get for the Patreon, there is the Open Minds Media merch store. Over there, you can get merchandise for Increase of All Reality and Bizarre Encounters and any of the new cryptid designs that end up dropping in the future. Uh, I do have the Squonk design, but unfortunately, I don't think that'll drop on the merch store just yet because I'm planning on revamping the merch store. Um, there is the new Increase of All Reality logo that will be dropping very soon. But when that goes to drop, I'm going to revamp the... Uh, whole entire merch store. So I'll probably deactivate the old store, start up a new store, make it so the designs, everything are a little bit better, a little bit more organized on there. So keep your eyes and ears out for that because that will be something that's happening very soon. And if you guys, of course, join the Patreon and then you go pick up something from the merch store, you'll get yourself a little bit of a discount, which is always a good thing, of course. And uh, if you guys aren't able to support the show in any of those ways, don't forget to support the show through word of mouth, um, interacting the community, letting me know what you guys think of the show, giving me some kind of feedback and all that kind of stuff. Um, even just sending me a message saying that you guys really enjoy the show. Cause I know I say this on every single show, but, um, you know, I've seen a lot of shows come and go in the time that I've been around and the saving grace for a lot of those shows may have been just sending some messages, interacting with them, uh, letting me know that you're out there. Cause we see all the numbers. We don't necessarily know all of you guys faces and names as much as we'd love to, but the only way that that's ever going to happen is with you guys breaking the ice first, letting us know that you're out there. So don't think you guys have to donate to any kind of shows, anything like that. Just knowing you guys are out there and appreciating the show is more than enough. And that goes for not just this show, but any podcast you guys enjoy. Don't forget to let your favorite podcasters know how much you enjoy their show, because that's the only way they're going to stick around forever and they're going to be able to keep producing awesome content for you guys. And while we're talking about supporting other creators, guys, don't forget to go and check out Crypto Theology. Joe's killing it over there, as usual, with his cryptid-related merch designs. Uh, he recently dropped a Jersey Devil design, which is pretty damn awesome. And he will be vending with me at the Cryptid Halloween event. And uh, so, you know, if you guys are already planning on coming out there and seeing me, you guys can also go and scoop some awesome shirts from Joe. And one of the new designs he's dropping is a Snarly U design in honor of the Snarly U putting on this event. Not the literal Snarly U, but Dave, awesome guy, of course. Got to give him a shout out on the show. So don't forget to uh, go and support all of your favorite creators. And again, come to this event and support all of us all in one place. That's always the best possibility. And get to we can make it so we can all get to know each other because we want to pull you guys into the community, of course, because we love all you guys out there for supporting all the stuff that we do. 
And uh, everything that I mentioned, of course, is all available under the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, let's get into the show. Please welcome to the show, Brandon Wright from Tinfoil Tales. How's it going today, man? Oh, it's going. I wouldn't say the greatest, but it's been going. Well, I'm sorry to hear that right out of the gate, but <laughs> hopefully doing the show will make it a little bit better. <laughs> it's been a week of sickness in the house with a kid and everything else, so I'm usually not at home, and this week I've been the one home with the kids, so it's a little bit more than I'm used to, I guess. Talk about a blessing and a curse at the same time. Like whenever I'm home for like a couple of days or anything like that, it's like nice to have some time off work, but then you have a whole other method of work because you're taking care of the kids and everything like that, like all day long. So it's like, yeah. especially when they're sick, that just adds in a whole other factor to it. But it's like, it's nice to be home, but it's just as much work being home as it is actually going to work half the time. <laughs> yeah. My, my wife is a trooper. She's done this for five years on her own being at home. And she just started going back to work recently. So I was like, well, I've got the time. You just started a job. I will be the one staying home and dealing with him while he's sick. And I don't know how the hell she managed to do that for five years. <laughs> well, at least she knows we, that you appreciate it. killed me. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, kind of getting everything rolling, man. Uh, for anybody that might not be familiar with who you are, what you do, and what exactly Tinfoil Tales is, uh, why don't you kind of give them an idea about everything that you do? Tinfoil Tales is a podcast that I started about... Eh, a little over a year ago. And it was originally an idea I had about three years ago, and I wanted to do something diving into, like, conspiracies, government cover-ups, like, alternate reality, alternate history. I kind of do deep dives on things. And it didn't really pan out that way. The person I was wanting to do it with didn't really end up wanting to go through with it. So I already had the name of Tinfoil Tales picked out because, again, like, for conspiracies and everything, people are, oh, you're a tinfoil hat wearer. Like something like that. So that's why I had the whole tinfoil tales because you're telling stories about these conspiracies or whatever. So that's where I came up with the name. And it rolls off the tip of the tongue. I like it. I'll circle back to that here because lately I've been getting a lot of people upset with the name. It's it's strange. Apparently, you offend everyone these days for something. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just the world today. You either got to roll with it or you got to give into it. But more often than not, if I'm doing something and people get mad about it, I'm just I'm just gonna keep doing it if I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'll touch base on this here in a second when it comes to why I do what I do now. But basically, I was never into podcasts. I never really listened to podcasts. And then during the whole, I call it the beast era, just because certain algorithms if you use that dreaded c word and the l word from when we had to for 2020 i think you know what i'm referring to <laughs> we should just uh, call it flu 2020 or something you know yeah. instead of like the spanish flu 1918 <laughs> for some reason that sets off a lot of weird uh, weird algorithm when you use those words so we've always referred to it as the beast era but uh they'll get us eventually that, on that one <laughs> during that time span i uh, started listening to some stuff kind of doing some research and then the band stuff that I was trying to do just kind of petered out and I was like I have all this recording stuff I'm just going to go full balls deep with the whole podcast idea so I tried to kick it off by doing like the conspiracy type thing but it just seemed like it'd be me ranting and I don't want to be that type of person that gets on there and just rants and sounds like a 
the actual tinfoil hat wearer and the madman in the basement ranting about <laughs> all sorts of stuff. Go Alex Jones style on it. Yeah. <laughs> They're turning the frogs gay. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, man, there's got to be something else I can be doing. And then I kind of always go back to what happened to me in 2007 when I had that weird encounter. I was like, I bet maybe I could start asking people if they've ever had any weird experiences and I can talk to them about that because for 15 years I never had any one I could talk to about it. So I thought I had this cool original idea because, again, I'm not a podcaster. I didn't really listen to podcasts. I've always been a band guy. I've always done metal vocals. That's where my thing has always been. I'm into music. And... I was like, okay, well, I got the idea. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start doing this. And I started looking around. I started lo- looking at other podcasts. I was like, fuck. There's a lot of podcasts doing this. <laughs> I was like, I'm not being original. So It's about having your own spin on it, I feel, more than anything at yeah. this point. Because it's like, as far as podcasts go, most ideas for a podcast have been done. It's about, again, having your own spin on it. <laughs> yeah. So I basically said, screw it. I'm just going to go with it anyways. And... I had my buddy come on. We did sort of a trial run of a conspiracy-type weather control episode. And then the next episode, I had someone come out, so they had a dogman encounter. And then from there, I was just like, all right, well, this ain't too bad. And then we just it just kept going. I've had more people come out. I've had a Flat Earth episode that was really ruffled feathers. And then I've had other episodes. And a lot of it's encounters. A lot of it's like alien abductions. And a lot of it is conspiracy. So it kind of just goes to whatever the guest wants to talk about. If they've had an experience and they want to share it, they're more welcome to come on the show. And if they've got a theory or something that they think is going on, or like my latest episode was government overreach with someone was a swap cast from someone from a different podcast who does nothing but conspiracy stuff about the government. So they wanted to come on and talk about stuff. I was like, all right, I'm cool with that. So it's just kind of, kind of a melting pot of just a bunch of topics that, uh, could be about anything really like for the most part though it's usually someone coming on there talking about their personal encounters with something usually cryptids or aliens or something like that i mean that's kind of the category that i fit in and i stopped trying to like give the show a specific like genre or like type and i just started calling it like an open-minded talk show because i feel like that was like the best way to categorize it because same thing here man i have like people talk about encounters i'll have conspiracy people come on uh like whatever it's just honestly just all fringe topics and it's just collabed into one place because it's like you start a show and you don't want it to just be in one specific lane you kind of want it to like accompany like all aspects of your personality so in turn it's like you start a show with one idea and then it ends up growing into fitting you more and then once you hit that point it's kind of hard to like keep it into any specific category like i don't know about you man but even just trying to find a category to like place my show in for like all the different um, like apps and everything like that. It, it's it's a hard thing to place. It's like the best thing you can come up with is like maybe natural science or like philosophy or you know um, what's the what's the other one? Society and culture. But like none of those really fit the category that well. Like there's not even like a paranormal category. Surprisingly, for any half of these podcast yeah, things, I, I don't I get it. That. It's strange. Mine on Spotify apparently because again I didn't know much about it. So when I picked the topics, it said personal stories and hobbies and it won't let me change it because i was like that's where it classifies my podcast and so i'm not getting put in where like most of the other ones in the same genre because it's like for whatever reason i'd have to make a whole new spotify podcast thing just for that which again i'm on i use rss for my 
distribution. So it's basically all over it. So I can change it on there and it, like on Apple and all the other things, it'll change it. I think it does say natural sciences and society and culture. Like that is the two main genres or whatever fields that it listed in, except for on Spotify, it still says hobbies and uh, personal stories. You know, I've noticed that that doesn't update though, because I've changed it a few times on my host and it like doesn't update on Spotify, but it does update as far as like chartable and everything goes. So it's like, yeah. I just think that they're, it's probably upgrade updated in their system, but it's just not visibly showing it, which again, just weird stuff podcasters got to deal with, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm not a full on podcaster, been doing this a long time. I've only been doing it for about 14 months, but. I think I've gotten my foot in the door to uh, kind of understand the ups and downs of things. It's one of the hardest things I think is actually tracking on guests and keeping them on schedule and keeping them actually showing up. I've had two this week that have no showed me already. <laughs> so it's like, it's one of those things like, and anyone out there listening is that's the struggle. I think everyone that I've ever talked to the podcast is trying to keep the content coming. Cause you need, if you rely on guests for your, interactions or whatever for your stories and for anything for them to talk about it's hard for them to or it's hard for the podcaster to be able to put out episodes when it's hard to find people that are reliable enough to come on there well we'll have to talk about it a little bit after the show but i got some uh, personal tips and tricks that i've got for you because i get so overloaded with guests to the point where it's like scheduled like two months out i got i got i got some some info i can pass your way that might help you out a little bit but we'll talk about that after the show of course yeah, that's fine. I'm currently booked up through sometime in November, so I've got a lot of things on schedule. It's just a matter of if they actually come on or not. <laughs> you just got to pester them a day or two ahead of time. <laughs> I always send out a notification to them, like, hey, are you still good for the interview tomorrow? And if I don't hear back from them, like, probably not. <laughs> Dude, I, honestly, though, I'm guilty of, I'll sometimes message people the same day, but I'll try to do it as early in the day as possible. But work schedule, especially if you're not like a full-time podcaster, like it's just hard sometimes, man. But, you know, we, we push through, we make it happen. And, you know, if somebody ghosts you, you can always hit them with the, hey, want to reschedule? And more often than not, even if they ghost you, they'll hit you back up. Because <laughs> sometimes people are embarrassed if they forget about it. So they just kind of ignore it altogether. But if you just like, break the ice with a, Hey, let's reschedule. Like you'd be surprised how many people will reschedule and be like, I'm sorry, man. I completely forgot. <laughs> yeah. Someone the one that did uh, show up or didn't show up actually asked if they could reschedule. I ended up having to, they're 15 hours apparently ahead of me. They said they were 14. And then when I tried to do it at this agreed time, they claimed they're an hour later than that. So I was like, well, that's 15 hours. That's not 14 hours. Because they're from Australia. I was going to say, there are some places that don't do the whole like uh, time shift thing. So I've had a few times where like I'll schedule a show with somebody from like the UK and they don't do that over there. So when we set the time, it was correct 14 hours. But then when it gets to the actual day of the show, you know, time changes, then they are that extra hour ahead. And that, that messes stuff up a lot. I've heard about that with a lot of podcasters because you'd be surprised how many places don't actually do that. Yeah, but other than that, to me, like I said, I started the podcast and this is kind of what got me going was back in 2007, I had some strange encounter to where I don't, to this day, I don't know what happened. Like, I know what happened, but I don't know what happened. I don't know what it was. And 
I can just dive into that now if you'd like me to. Absolutely. I was going to say, if you wanted to, uh, you know, to say what you were going to say, but as far as your name goes, and then we can start diving into the nitty gritty before we get too far away from that. Cause I'm kind of curious about that aspect too, but I'm sure the listeners more than want to hear your encounter story. Yeah. Well, for what it's worth to the listeners, I recently wrote a book called shadows of Cedarville and it came out about two weeks ago. It's available on Amazon and all the other distributions you can get like Barnes and Noble and Target and stuff like that online on the store. The first chapter is heavily influenced by this encounter that I had in 2007. And that's what kind of got me going into podcasting. And that's kind of how the story goes. It's not an autobiography by any means because I fictionalized the shit out of it, but it's basically my life story up until like chapter three. And then it just kind of goes off and I just wrote a little short horror novel into it. It's like the based on a true story that you see from horror movies that there yeah. is the true part, but then there's <laughs> all yeah. the rest. You just got to put that in the quotations based on yeah. a true story. <laughs> I said heavily influenced from eyewitness accounts. There you go. Perfect. That's a new way of saying it. That sounds better than based on a true story because people take that too seriously. Yeah. And then you'll end up with people thinking the Texas Chainsaw Massacre actually happened when it was actually based on Ed Gain. <laughs> yeah. But no, back in 2007, I used to work at a warehouse and we got off work a little bit early. So it's about 4.30, 4.45 in the morning. So it's still dark out, especially in wintertime, February. It's, I live in Indiana, so it's still dark. And I noticed that this guy in front of me is one of my coworkers. He's driving on the road and he swerves off and it's first back on the road and it keeps going. And the first thing I think is like, the fuck is this guy doing? Like did a deer run out in front of him. What? Like, or is it back then we didn't have cell phones like we do these days. Like you had the flip phones or something like that, but you weren't going to be scrolling on Facebook or something like that. Facebook wasn't even a thing back really. The Nokia before. track phone blocks, yeah. the good old days when you could throw your phone at the ground and not have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it wasn't smartphone era. We didn't have the internet tape technology or capabilities so it wasn't like he'd have been just on his phone and he's roughly a thousand feet in front of me and as I get closer to the area where he was at I see a big black figure in the middle of the road and it looks like a person but they're wrapped in a blanket but they're really tall but they're leaning forward I didn't see head like a head on I didn't see any arms I just seen this black figure this big shape and it was moving like one of those the flaying, what happy blow up men like you see the arms flapping at like car dealerships and everything. Inflatable flailing tube men. There, there it is. Yes, yes. One of those things. That was the movement it was doing as it was walking. Like its body was going forward and go like this and then take another step and go like that. It was just flopping. Very unnatural, glitchy looking. Like I don't know how to describe it other than it didn't look real. But it was there because I had to swerve to miss it too. And I basically hit my brakes and came to a complete stop. Well, the thing walks right past my driver's window. And I'm pretty sure it bumped into my mirror. And at this point, I'm driving a Ford Explorer. I've looked online. It's 68, 67 or 68 inches to the top. So that's almost six feet tall. This thing leaning forward was like someone would walk if they're using a walker. You know how like an old person would have that walker lean to them? Mm-hmm. This is how it was kind of leaning, and it was at least a foot higher than the roof of my vehicle. So leaning forward is at least seven feet tall, like six and a half, seven feet tall leaning forward. So if it stood straight up, it had to have been well over seven feet. 
But again, no arms, no head. I didn't see fur. I didn't see muscles. I didn't see clothing. It was just solid black. And once I got behind the vehicle, my brake lights illuminated it. And I could see between the legs, like I could see the ground. But where the legs were, the legs were really thick. I mean, like, thick. Not like person legs, but thicker than that. And leg, leg, like step, step. It wasn't like walking fast. It was like almost ogreishly, doom, 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 like slow walking. At this point, I just tromped on the gas. And I said, fuck this. Took off. And a little bit down the road, I noticed my coworker pulled into his gravel parking lot. So I pulled in beside of him. He rolls down his window, and I roll down my window. His eyes are like bulged out of his head. He's like, did you fucking see that? And I was like, yeah. He's like, what the fuck was it? Did you have a head? I was like, man, I don't, I have no idea. Like, I was like, I'm going back. He's like, are you fucking crazy? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> Reminds <laughs> me of like the Fresno Nightcrawlers, but like a different variation. But it seems like it has a lot of similarities. Yeah. And at that point, I, I didn't know what any of this stuff was. Like, I wasn't, even today, I'm still skeptical. Like, I'm still, a, I want to believe in stuff, but I'm still skeptical about things, if that makes any sense. No, I'm, I, I'm in the same field, man. Like, as much as I get into all these topics, it's like, you know, I want to find some, like, validity to it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. a healthy skeptic or, like, an open-minded skeptic is probably, like, a good way to word it. Because it's like, you're skeptical, but in a good way, because it's not like you're going to believe every single Sasquatch video you see or every single encounter video you see, but you're still going to take it into consideration, which a lot of people wouldn't even do in the first place. You just want to find the viable parts of it. Mm -hmm. But I convinced him that we're going to go back and look for this thing. So I start off driving and he comes up behind me and get back to the same area within the maybe the 100 feet or so. And... I see this big black figure laying in the middle of the road and it's laying like we're going this way. It's laying directly across the road and it looks like a large black dog. And I mean, big for a dog. It's one of the biggest dogs I've ever seen at that point. And it's facing the direction that we're driving. So it's backs towards us and it's heads facing the other direction. So the first thing I think of is, Okay, well, this was clearly what was walking in the road. Can't explain why it was walking in the road. Maybe someone hit as a hit dog and it was freaking out and flopping around because someone ran it over. Maybe he hit it and that's why he swerved off the road and he doesn't want to admit that he hit it. I don't know. And I park my vehicle and I open the door and I start to get out. And I start walking towards it because to me it looks dead. And as I'm walking, the thing sits up like, laying like this so it sits its head up and like looks back and at this point its eyes are glowing like yellow but it's not from the evil whatever it is like it's the eye shine from the headlights hitting its eyeballs and it growls and it is a low rumbly you can almost feel it growl I don't know how to describe that like I don't know what the tip like the actual term would be but like it's almost one of those your body felt the vibration of it because it's so deep and, it just like carries yeah. So I stop. And at this point, the coworker's behind me. He's still in his car. And I hear him, get back in the car, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have that one guy, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm dead frozen because I'm like, it's not dead. I'm like, okay, this is not a dead animal. And the damn thing decides it's going to try and stand up. So it like starts to get up and then it kind of hobbles a little bit. 
So in my mind, I'm still thinking it's just a big dog and clearly got hit by a car. Well, then it stands up. And I don't mean on all fours. It stood up on two legs like a human. And it didn't look like it shouldn't be standing up that way. It looked like standing up on two legs was its natural stance, if that makes any sense at all. Like, it did not have, like, the typical dog like this. If a dog would be trying to stand up, its arms would, like, be bent or something weird. Like, it didn't look natural. Like, the way it stood up was natural. But it didn't have the stereotypical Hollywood werewolf dog man, like, the hands. I didn't see fingers. I didn't see, like, it's long digits on it. It looked like a normal dog's features but it's sort of like a person. To me, that just, there's something off of that. Even if you follow Dogman lore, they always have like this stereotypical werewolf look when someone describes them. They have these hands. They have, this didn't have that. So to be as like, no, it's still a dog, but it's a dog that apparently knows how to walk like a human. I don't know. I mean, going scary. into like genetic stuff, I mean, there's there's a different facet that I'm going to get into when we're uh, done with the story as far as like the thing you saw before the dog, man. But I'm kind of curious if they theoretically carry like some type of bipedal DNA and some type of like dog DNA, if there would be variations in the species where some would have more human like hands, some would have more dog like hands, um, you know, maybe just even with like, the nose and stuff. Some people say they have the flatter nose. Some people say they have the longer nose. I assume it's, it'd be same as people like certain ones will carry certain genetics and maybe this one's hands were just a little bit different, you know? Yeah. But that's basically where I came to with it is like, I don't know what this thing is and it's staring at me and it only stood up and stared at me for maybe two seconds at the most. Like it just stood up enough to look at me to be like, Hey, don't fuck with me. It's, that's the feeling I got from it. Like, if it wanted to come at me, it literally could have. I was 15 feet away from it. If it wanted to attack me, there was no reason why it wouldn't have came and attacked me. But instead, it kind of just hunched back down and went off over to these tree areas. But where these trees are, it's not really thick. It's a hunting preserve. And there's about an eight-foot-tall fence that goes around this whole two-mile radius for where these deers were kept. I didn't see it go under the fence. I didn't see it go through the fence or over the fence. It just went down towards the fence, and it disappeared. And we never seen it again. At this point, my coworker gets out of the vehicle and he starts walking up to me and I kind of walk back, meet him halfway. And we're like, what the hell is going on? Like, clearly there's something screwed up going on because dogs don't walk on two legs. Like, <laughs> that's insane. And as we're talking, I look down at the ground and between both of us, like, we're having this conversation. There's a little field mouse standing there, and he's on two legs as well, but he's wiping his face. And he's really wet looking. Like, it's not been wet outside. It hadn't been snowing or anything like it. It was just really cold, crisp outside. It wasn't anything why he would be super wet. And he's just wiping himself, going on about it. So I nudged it with my foot, like, hey, dude, what are you doing? Thinking it would run off and doesn't even care. Like, it literally just keeps cleaning itself, like, to me, the mouse creeps me out the most because I touched the damn thing and it wouldn't even run away. I was like, what is this? Like, why is the mouse not even freaking out? And to, even to this day, like, I still think about it. I was like, I know it was real because I felt it with my shoe. Like, I felt the solidness of the mouse. So I know it was a real mouse. And we said, screw all this. Like, it's, I'm tired. I want to go home. He goes on his way. I go on my way. I go home. I go to bed. 
I wake up the next morning and I try to sketch this black dog looking thing. Now, to give a description of what the dog looked like, you know the typical German Shepherd look. It looked like a German Shepherd in the face, but maybe its snout wasn't as extended, like maybe a little shorter, like more pushed in a little bit, a little broader. But its fur was really puffy. You know what a chow dog looks like where they have like the really thick, puffy fur? Yeah. That's the type of fur it had. So it looked like a chow mixed with a German Shepherd. And people like, oh, it was clearly a bear with mange. I'm not fucking stupid. <laughs> like, I know what a bear looks like. Bears don't have pointy ears, to the best of my knowledge. They have rounded ears. This thing had typical pointy dog ears. Had a dog's face. Laying in the road, it looked like a dog. We live in Indiana. We don't have bears here. But we also don't have supposedly walking dogmen type things either. So it's like... I, I can't say, sure, maybe it was a bear that looked like a dog. I don't know. I've actually heard a nice chunk of reports of dogman stuff coming from Indiana. And, I mean, just to throw in another whole thing about the whole mange idea, too, usually when stuff gets mange, it usually gets a little bit more aggressive. So if you were within, like, 15 feet of this thing, if it had mange, it probably would have been a lot more aggressive towards you. Yeah. And it didn't look like it had mange. Like, it was completely covered in fur. There was no, like, missing fur or anything like that. So when someone says, oh, it was a bear with mange, why do you even throw out mange? I never said anything about it missing fur or anything like that. Like literally I said it had really thick puffy fur. So where does the mange come from? Like I don't I mean, I, I feel like a lot of people will throw ideas in because if they start thinking that stuff like that exists, it kind of bursts their own bubble. So they'll just start throwing options at it and hoping that they stick. It's like the whole like swamp gas with UFOs thing. It's just like yeah. the most generic thing they can throw is everybody goes, oh, it's some type of animal with mange. That's why it looked weird. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the vibe I've gotten too is people want to explain it away. And I'll, I'll dive in here in a second because you'll, you'll crack up at some of the explanations people have given me of what happened. Well, I'd love to hear them. <laughs> um, and again, I haven't even talked about this until just within the last three or four months. I've never been open about it. I've done my podcast. I interviewed other people and I was a chicken shit and never even told my own story because I'm a natural skeptic and my own story sounds ridiculous. And if someone told me my own story, I'd be like, the fuck were you smoking? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, like that's the idea that I have. And for what it's worth, I'll bring that back. I'll circle back around to the smoking part too, because I've been accused of that as well. And I'll try and uh, explain away all the stupid explanations I've gotten. Well, I will throw in for anybody because I throw this in anytime anybody throws this in. Whenever people have an encounter and they go, were you drinking? Were you smoking? Like drinking and smoking doesn't cause you to see things that aren't there. Like, I'm sorry, but they don't. Yeah. Even taking psychedelics and stuff like things breathe, they move, but you're not creating something that does not exist in front of you. Like I've never... For people that tell those stories when it comes to psychedelics, I feel like they wander off in their own head, but nobody's ever actually had like a stop sign chase them or anything like that. Like it's people are just coming up again with excuses for stuff. Like I, I've smoked a fair amount of weed. I've spent my time drinking. I've been blackout drunk. I've been fallen asleep stoned. Never at any of those points have I ever seen a creature just appear and start chasing me. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's some of the things that people are, have accused us of and, like I said, I'll, I'll circle back to that here in a second. But anyways, I'd gotten home, went to bed, woke up the next morning, and I drew what I thought looked like this black-looking dog. And at this point, 
I knew about aliens. I knew about Bigfoot or stuff like that, but I wasn't really into cryptids or anything like that. I, I knew the Mothman prophecies. I knew the Mothman story, like stuff like that, like the more mainstream. I've never heard of a dog man before. And at this point, I get on the internet and I go to, I think, unexplainedmysteries.com or something like it. It was an old forum where they had like weird paranormal stories or like sightings or whatever like that, like the Loch Ness Monster or some shit. And I posted a photo. I was like, does anyone know what this is? I was like, a side werewolf. Because that's the first thing I thought of. Like when you see something like that, you know, without knowing the dog, man, what's the first thing someone's going to think of? Werewolf. And someone said, oh, that looks just like a Michigan dog, man. Like, well, what the hell is a Michigan dog, man? So I started looking into that and I was like, oh crap, it does kind of like the sketches and stuff people drew. I was like, it looks very similar to what that was. I was like, and I live Northern Indiana, so not too far from Michigan. Maybe there's something to this. And I got all this information and I went back to work a couple nights later because it was our weekend. So we were off and I get in there and I start talking to the coworker that's seen everything with me. And then like the two other guys start laughing and he just gives me this glare. And then he pulls me over to the side and basically tells me that if I don't knock the shit off, he's going to knock the shit off for me. And I'll just deny it all because he doesn't want people thinking he's fucking crazy. So at that point I was like, all right, I just shut up about it because literally the other person that can verify what happened is now refusing to talk about it because he doesn't want people thinking he's crazy. So if I start saying this happened and he's going to be like, well, I didn't happen. He's full of shit. I was like, well, why would I even bring it up? Because at that point it makes me look stupid and like I'm a liar. So I didn't talk about it. Is he still denying it to this day? And also is he like aware that you do a show and have talked about it or do you kind of keep that all to yourself? I have not seen that guy in probably 13 years, 14 years. Like, this happened in the beginning of 2007. I think he got laid off later that year, and I've never seen him since. So, yeah, he's so, just lost out in the ether somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where he's at. I'm sure he's still around somewhere in the area, and eventually he'll find out and probably find me and stuff me in a body bag somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news is you have a podcast community behind you, so if you go missing, people will be questioning where you are. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell a few choice people who he actually is. I've never told anyone his name or anything about it. Even in like the book, I didn't. Not like I'm using anyone's real names. I altered everything in that book, but um, yeah. So I just I never brought it up. I told a couple of people in my bands, and then I told like my wife, and I mentioned stuff to my kids, this and that. Because where we live at now, strangely enough, is only like a couple miles from where it is. Like I live just one road south and like two miles east of it. So I drive right by that place almost daily because I have to take the kids to school or pick them up or wherever we go. Like I have to drive by it. I've never seen anything strange there ever again. Now there's strangely enough, there's an alpaca farm. I thought to myself, like maybe the alpaca farm was there and that's what was actually walking. It was an alpaca. I was like, but that wasn't there when this happened. And now they just built a brand new house, beautiful house, right in the same exact spot. I was like, well, this house, dog man's house is now, or area is now this lovely, beautiful mansion house. So, guess dog man moved up in the world got a nice fancy house for himself <laughs> <laughs> is this uh northern indiana by chance or is this like southern indiana it's northern northern it's like north central yeah i'm only like maybe 80 miles from michigan line or something like that oh because i mean i've had some theories about like if you believe in the whole dog man phenomenon 
that like assumably they'd have some type of migration patterns the same as like people have kind of tracked that like sasquatch do that they're in certain areas certain times of the year and i've often wondered you have like the pocket by the beast bray road hulk idea and then you have the pocket with the michigan dogman stuff and they're both on like the opposite side of like lake michigan from each other so i've been kind of curious if they might migrate for breeding purposes and indiana would be like right in the middle especially northern indiana so it may not well, be something that's typically in that area, but it might be somewhere within the, the migration patterns that they move in. A couple of months ago, I, uh, I was on another podcast and I'm not gonna, I won't name drop the other podcast just because I don't want to go out there and name drop other podcasts on someone else's podcast. But I was on this podcast and the only reason I contacted the person was because they had an episode last year of someone from my same town from 1990 who was camping on the Wabash River. Where I live is between the Wabash and the Eel River. Like, I'm only a couple miles from both of them. And where this happened was literally like dead center between both of them. So there's two decent rivers that run through this area. And back in 1990, this guy had an encounter on the Wabash just literally like maybe 1500 feet from where my friend lives where we always had band practice at so i messaged him i was like dude i got on the, like the map location i was like this is the exact spot it's like a little island out in the middle of the wabash i know exactly where that's at because he said it was just past this roads bridge it's like that's exactly where we had band practice so i sent it to my buddy like you ever seen anything strange out there he said he used to play out there as a kid and he'd always heard stories about something that happened out there but he never knew what it was well, the guy's story was in 1990, they were camping and this thing come running into their camp, ran them out of there, destroyed their stuff and everything else. And then I would have to go back and listen to the whole episode again. But the gist of it was it tore their camp up and it pretty much traumatized the guy to where he ended up moving away just to try and not have to deal with it. I kind of used that story in my book. Like, obviously, I changed things up. Like I said, it's based on eyewitness events <laughs> it's a i've took stuff that like other people have said and this and that and i i've used it in to write a book like i took i'm not ripping anyone off or plagiarizing because i've created stuff but i used it as an influence to help further the story goes like i said i use a lot of dogman lore to this story and but basically he said he was haunted by it because they never really talked about it no one knew what it was no one wanted to say anything about it but an upright running seven foot tall what they call, thought was a werewolf come running in there tearing up their camp right on the outskirts of town. I was like, I was right on the outskirts of town too, just on the north side. I was like, that was on the Wabash. I'm up by the Eel River. So it's strange that there's a lot of activity. I say a lot. There's been two that I know of. But two Think about how many might not be reported though. Yeah. Two cases in the same general town along the rivers, 17 years apart, but again, it's the same exact descriptions. And I never told anyone my story by the time this guy's story had aired. His aired like last March of 2022, and I hadn't even started my podcast yet. So, and I didn't even tell anyone my stuff up until the first time I did was like October of last year on someone else's podcast. And I never even told it on my podcast up until like July of this year, June or July. So it's like, I can't see someone making up a story that's vaguely similar like description of what mine was i thought that was a little strange but i reached out to that guy and i got on his podcast he asked me to be on an episode so i told my story or whatever and then from that point it's just kind of been i was like all right well 
people aren't calling me a lunatic like I assume would happen. <laughs> well, you're in the right so, community yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah. I said, so I, I'm a little bit more willing to talk about it. And then that's where I kind of got the idea for the book. I was like, well, I want to write out what happened. I want to write a story about it. So I wrote it and ended up being like one chapter. And then I was like, all right, well, I'm going to continue on where I start talking with people because the main character in the, the book is basically me. His name's Brian. I changed my name around. I mean, very creative there. <laughs> and uh, You shouldn't do Brendan. Yeah. By changing things around, he starts a podcast, which is almost a similar nod to your other podcast. I, I called the podcast Beastly Encounters. but his podcast is called beastly encounters and he interviews all these people that had these weird encounters with these dogman type creatures and it kind of just builds the lore this is like chapter two like each person that he interviews tells him a little bit more about what they experience and it just it keeps setting the tone and then like chapter three he meets that guy from the same town that got ran off in 1990 which again i don't know who that guy was the guy that i was on that podcast he says he doesn't keep a log of his previous guest I do. I don't know why. But anyways, um, so I had no way of contacting or he had no way of reaching out to the guys if he wanted to contact me because I would like to talk to that guy, not even just for the podcast. I just like to sit down with him like, dude, I will meet you at McDonald's and buy you a cheeseburger. I don't care. Like, just I want to know what happened. Hey, you got to throw it out on enough podcasts. I mean, there is a chance you might listen to one of them on accident. Maybe if he's a podcast listener and maybe you'll luck out one day. That's why I decided to talk on the other podcast because if he went on that podcast and talked on it, I thought chances are maybe he'd hear my episode and reach out to me. And then I don't know. We mentioned Tinfoil Tells on there, and if anyone needed to reach out to me, they could. So it's been plugged, so he can always reach me if he ever wants to. But at this point... Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's like, I'm talking about it, everything else. It's like, oh, I'm going to start writing the story, so... I wrote these couple of chapters. I wrote the third chapter. And then like chapter four, it just kind of like the two characters start investigating all these weird things. And I made up some fake towns called like Whispering Pines State Park. The town's called Cedarville. There's supposed to be like this wooded state park. And there's been a bunch of like people go missing. And like the locals are always like covered up or whatever. They're like, oh, it's animal attacks or this and that. But it's never really figured out. And it goes like almost mystery into like almost towards the end. It's like more psychological. So without giving it a whole lot of it away, like it starts off kind of, I wouldn't say slow burn, but it's like once it starts kicking in in like the fourth or fifth chapters, like, and then there's only like 10 chapters. Got to lay the storyline first. Yeah. I always tell I people have, that with series movies, they're like, oh, the first 15, 20 minutes are boring. It's like, you got to lay the story first. <laughs> yeah. Like the first chapter is literally my encounter that I just explained. And then chapter two is like interviewing all these people setting up this backstory like giving some lore like what these things could be whatever hearing about attacks hearing about chapter three this other guy's attack like i embellished his story because i wanted to make it more interesting so like i said it's influenced it's not ripping off some of the stuff like i heavily changed a lot of things to it just to make it more dramatic and from there it just goes into a story towards the end it's like 
I want without ruining the ending or anything about it because I want people to read it. But once they get to the ending, I want people to think about how it ends. And then they're like, well, wait a minute. And they might have to go back and read the whole thing over again. Well, that's a good like thing I, then. <laughs> yeah, because I've planted seeds. So throughout the whole thing, when you get to the end, it, once you read the book, like message me and tell me if you, you figured it out or not. Dude, I, I actually really enjoyed pulling stories apart, so I probably I may not catch it. I don't know. Well, guys, we'll have to see, but I am usually the one that, like, when I'm watching a show or reading a book, I'm usually guessing stuff, like, way before it happens. Like, I've gotten pretty good at it. <laughs> yeah. So, it's it's one of those things where I, the only person that apparently that I know has read it all that's ever said anything about it was my dad. He's apparently read it all in three hours, and then I asked him what he thought. He said he didn't like how it ended. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, at least you probably didn't understand it. <laughs> at least you read it. <laughs> yeah. So if anyone out there uh, checks us out and they end up uh, checking out Shadows of Cedarville, find me on uh, any of the social medias and let me know what you think about it or leave a review on Amazon. I've gotten a five-star and a four-star so far, and there's no actual written reviews. It's like, oh, someone liked it, someone semi-liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, four stars at least is more on the better side because I mean, like three stars ain't bad, but it's like, eh. <laughs> it's surprisingly done well. It sold. I'm trying to, the last time I looked, I think it because it only it updates every month. So last month I sold over a hundred and something copies, like the first week, which to me was like amazing. I expected to sell like five books, and it sold a hundred and something the first week. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> and uh congratulations by the way i gotta throw that in there and even for just putting a book together like that's awesome and it took a lot of work so i got a lot of respect for you for doing it man it took a lot of work in the sense it took me about 40 hours i started on a friday and by monday night i had it finished up like i just started writing my wife and kids were sleeping i got home from work early on a friday i just started writing on my phone writing on my phone writing on my phone and then like i woke up saturday morning started writing Spent most of the day Saturday writing, spent most of the day Sunday writing, and spent a lot of the time on Monday writing. And like, if it was like a normal size book, it's six behind books, like 152 pages. And a lot of it is, it's bigger text. So I don't really think it's as big as what a lot of people are. Like, how'd you write a book in four days? I'm like, well, I knew so much stuff because a lot of it was stuff that I, it's like my own personal story to an extent. So like a lot of the stuff I already knew about, I didn't have to do a bunch of research. It was just, stuff I already knew. So I just turned it into a story and I just changed some people's names around and changed some details around or whatever. And like, like the last half I wrote it real quick. And I was like, well, listen, I don't like how it ends. So I went back now that it's been out and released. I'm like, shit, I wish I would have sat on this for a while because I could have added so much more. I have so many great ideas now that it's like, it's too late. Like I could have expanded it so much further, but me being, hyper fixator like i have to start something i don't stop until it's finished like i, I obsess about it so i'm like boom 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 boom, got to get it done and yeah so within four days i hammered out this book i used some ai art generator crap to make me a book cover and i'll uh i'll even admit to this the name of it i asked uh bard the whatever that the google chat gbt thing or whatever not yeah, chat gbt but i, I yeah. asked bard i said uh I have a book about this and this and this. What would you think a good name should be? It says Shadows of Cedarville. I was like, 
okay. <laughs> That's not bad. <laughs> I was like, I was like it gave me a list, like it broke down a list, and like some of them were awful, but that was the only one that stuck out that like made sense. What was the so, one of the worst ones? I got to hear it. <laughs> I would have to go back and look. Oh. Like, like I don't, I don't know if I could even find. I don't know if Bard keeps like old conversations or not, but. Oh, I'm sure they do. It's AI. It records so it can make itself better. Like it's it's somewhere. It may it just may not be accessible to you. <laughs> no, but no. Some of them were so stupid that I, I laughed. I was like, if I didn't want to be taken serious, I could, could use that one. <laughs> but, like it, it even gave it like a subtitle. Like it gave it this big, interesting name, and then it gave it like the subtitles. Like it has nothing to do with this. So because it, Cedarville wasn't even the name of this in the book. I never even said what the name of the town was or anything about it. Like I just that was what I asked it for, like a name for a book. So I was like, all right, well, I'll change the name to Cedarville. And then I was like, what should I name the state park around there? Because I had, forget what I called it, and it said Whispering Pines. I was like, huh, <laughs> that ain't too bad. So yeah, so I will give credit to the AI overlords. They did help influence a little bit of the book because I asked it what to name it and what to name one of the things. I asked it to try and rename some characters for me, and the character names were literally the most generic names ever, so it did not name the characters. John Smith. But hey, at least you didn't use a title like Doggy Want a Bone, but hopefully it's not yours. <laughs> literally, anytime you have a female character, the name it wants to use is Sarah. <laughs> like, it's always Sarah. Like I said, what should my wife's name be, Sarah? I was like, I don't want to name my wife Sarah. What else could I name her? Sarah with an and H. Then, <laughs> and then... uh I was like, what should my daughter's names be? Sarah. No. Emma. No. <laughs> like, it's like the most, the guy's name, like a lot of, one of them that was John and one of like Mike and like a lot of them were just like the most standard names that you would come across. Like this thing for supposed to be so intelligent is pretty stupid. <laughs> Actually, sp speaking of that too, uh, before I get totally sidetracked about it, um, I was going to ask, or going to throw in a comment actually about your encounter. Uh, so you've doing a lot of dogman research and everything. Uh, do, what, what, what kind of camp do you fall in as far as like do you, do you get into like the woo side of dogman or you more see it as like a like a natural physical thing? I don't even know if I believe they exist, and I fucking looked at one. <laughs> so like, I guess it's just open for. Yeah, like, and I try and tell this to people on the podcast too. I don't try and discredit anyone. Now, I think I've had people probably come on there and feed me a line of shit. I mean, that's the territory you get into when you start talking to some of this stuff. And I don't, honestly don't know if they are aware they're feeding me a line of shit. I think a lot of the people I interview are 100% being honest with me. It doesn't mean what they're telling me is true, though, if that makes sense. Like, it's true to them. And it doesn't mean it's necessarily what happened, but to them it happened. I could say the same thing about myself because, again, if someone told me my story, I'd still be like, I, that doesn't make logically, scientifically, I don't, I struggle accepting that. For being a skeptic and actually witnessing something like this, it makes me go back and question what I know because if I'm a man of science, science tells me these things can't exist. So it's like, what is it? But to where I go at, if I was to say these things were actually real, and this goes back to the encounter itself was all three things the same thing. Now, if you go back to the original thing, whatever was walking in the road was glitchy. 
wasn't interdimensional bleeding into our world and it was kind of glitching out because it's trying to shape itself into something recognizable like something what our world would be so you're on the same method of thinking that i was getting into that i was going to throw at you and the shape that it came into was a dog it just happened to be a lot larger than a normal dog and then it was still in the process of trying to use its energy to come at itself into whatever so the next shape it came into was the mouse because everything was on two legs at one point. The thing walking was on two legs. The dog got up on two legs. And the mouse was standing on two legs. Now, for 15 years, as someone that wanted to say this was just a normal occurrence, it was a dog walking in the road because it was playing with a mouse. The reason the mouse was all wet, because the dog was licking it, playing with it, whatever, traumatized the mouse. Someone hit the dog with a car. It broke its legs. So its two legs were broken, so it was hobbling around on its back legs. That's why when I seen it originally, I couldn't. it looked weird trying to walk on two legs. That's why it looked glitchy because it was hobbling around. And that's the story. Like That's my explanation of what happened. The problem with that is the first thing that we saw when we drove past, at least what I saw, I won't put words in the other guy's mouth because clearly he doesn't want to talk about it, uh, was a lot bigger than the dog. When the dog stood up, its legs were just maybe like that big around. Not very much larger than what a normal dog legs would look like. I'm six foot three. When the dog stood up, it was maybe my height, a little shorter. So probably about six foot. Whatever was walking originally was a lot thicker and a lot taller. So how can I say that it was all the same thing? Like because the dog was the one walking originally. The headless, armless thing was the dog because that thing was a lot taller. So someone's like, oh, it was like a Fresno crawler. And then the dog man was, I was like, you would have to really buy into a lot of otherworldly activity happening at this exact time in this exact little location right by a freaking highway. Like this wasn't in rural middle of nowhere. We're literally like a mile, half a mile from a major highway. And we're just on a county road. It just happens to have a little bit of woods right next to it. So I don't, I can't explain that. I don't know what it was. And I've never been one to believe in interdimensional stuff until I've started really digging into shit in the last few years. Could this thing be something from an alternate universe that bleeds into ours? It seems more plausible than saying it's a flesh and blood creature. But at the same time, there's been so many people claiming they've seen these things eating roadkill on the side of the road. If it's a spiritual, demonic-type creature, why would it be eating something? That is a valid point. (laughs) If it's from another dimension, I assume maybe it eats in another dimension. I don't know. But I don't don't know how to subscribe to it because I know what I saw looked real. It didn't look... I don't know how to other like there's no way to try like I saw something there. It was solid, it wasn't translucent, it wasn't like glitchy in person, like it looked like a live animal. And to me, I've always read it off as just being a really large dog. But I don't know of any dogs that can stand up like a human. I know dogs that can stand up on two legs, sure, for like train for circus purposes and stuff like that, but they don't look like a person's features. Like they don't have the way a person would stand up, like where its arms kind of go off to the sides. Like its arms would still be out front. It dropped its arms off to the sides. That's strange to me. 
I mean, just another kind of theory to throw in. Um, a lot of people talk about the uh, like skinwalker idea that something's able to completely like change form. Um, rather than that, I've kind of had this idea that it's more so like they're able to change your perception. And I mean, you can, you've seen this in a bunch of different science experiments. They talk about the whole duck thing that, you know, if you look at a group of ducks, they all look like they're the same. But if you do like a double take back that there are different types of ducks and that your brain tricks you into just looking at it as like a flat object all the way across, like they're all the same thing. Um, so <clears throat> when it comes to like shapeshifters and stuff, I wonder if they project an image on you rather than them actually physically changing form. And if that is the case, I mean, maybe the first thing that you saw was its actual form. Maybe it's something that's not necessarily like completely has a solid form. But then when you came back, then it was possibly trying to project an image on you of something scary so that you would leave. But when you didn't leave, then if the mouse is part of all of this, then maybe it projected the image of that thinking like, all right, if it's not going to leave, then I'm just going to be something that isn't intimidating that they're just going to leave alone. I mean, that, that, that could definitely be a possibility or, I mean, bouncing back into like the whole interdimensional concept, maybe that first thing you saw wasn't fully in this reality. Like that concept you hear about, like something's in water and you have a ball on top. If you're in the water, it just looks like a circle. But once it gets into the water, then you can see the full shape of it. But your perceptions changed until it actually gets into your medium. So maybe the first thing you saw, it wasn't fully in this reality. That's why it was something that didn't actually make any physical sense. Or maybe it's something like, you know, along the lines of like, I don't want to say necessarily like a shadow person, but maybe something that kind of comes from like that same area of thought that it's like this black formless kind of cloud type thing. But then again, maybe that's the thing that's able to project its image on you and then it can make you see whatever it chooses and wants you to see. No. When you're, I just kind of was thinking about this as I'm looking at the screen. This behind me, not the big, but the, if you'd close the arms around, the wings around, it would almost be like that. Like a mothman with like its wings closed? Yeah. Like I never even really thought about that until just I could see it on the screen. Like I didn't see eyes or anything like that, but I could almost see like like I said, like something had like a cloak wrapped around it. What if it was something that had like wings that were just wrapped around itself? I don't know. I mean, that could have been its true form too. I mean or maybe none of those things were actually its true form. Maybe it was again just trying to become physical in a physical reality. Cause I mean kind of a weird idea to comprehend, but you know, we look at everything from like the physical point, but that doesn't necessarily mean that everything in this reality that is natural to this reality is necessarily physical. And maybe just like certain times, certain perfect placement, then maybe these things that are non-physical do have a semi-physical form that you can see. And again, that's kind of, kind of gets into like shadow people type territory. But mm -hmm. I mean, the, these things could naturally exist around us and we're looking at them like they're coming from another reality, but it's just a matter of at certain times with a certain perspective or everything just lines up right, then you are able to see these things that naturally always maybe exist around us. Like I've talked about the whole light spectrum concept that, uh, you know, we can only see a very minimal portion of the light spectrum. So, I mean, there could be a bunch of things that exist higher up and lower in that light spectrum. And I mean, if they're able to theoretically see us, you know, they can just move around us, but we can't see them and they could be existing all around us right now. And we have no idea of it. And then that's mm -hmm. where it gets into some other weird interdimensional type of concepts too, that not necessarily, I guess, interdimensional, but you know, 
we kind of see things as vibrating at like a certain frequency, which is like how we have like our solids in this reality, but something could be solid, but from another reality, but it vibrates at a different frequency. So it may be solid in that reality, but when it merges over into our reality, then it is vibrating at a different frequency um, down to like an atomic level. And then it looks translucent to us because it's vice versa. I mean, they, they might even see us as translucent type beings mm-hmm. because we're not vibrating in the same frequency that they're vibrating in. No, I, um, uh, I've thought about that too. And it's like, you have to really actually understand what you're thinking about when you start to go down these rabbit holes of ideas or whatever, because if I try and write it off in a scientific term, there's really no way of scientifically explaining it because science doesn't explain the unexplainable. And to me, that's kind of where I feel like this is because how often does everyone want to get off work a little bit early? Like everyone's like, oh man, I just can't, it's the weekend. I can't wait to get the fuck out of here. Get out. This is the one time I wish they never let me leave early. <laughs> <laughs> It's because this is something that's like bothered me for like, I said February 2007 going on, what is that? Almost 17 years now, 16 years. Yep. And it's like, I've had to bury it in the back of my mind for so long because it's like, I wrote it off as being just a dog and a mouse, but it's never been something that I could fully accept, even though I wanted to accept that because I always go back to what was walking. Like the first thing walking was so much bigger than the dog. And it, that's, that's really the reason why I started the podcast because I felt like I had nowhere to talk about something like this. And, and if I felt like I couldn't talk about it, how many other people were out there feeling like they couldn't talk about it? So in my mind, I was like, I want to help people. If that makes any sense, like I want to be not like a therapist, but like, here, talk to me. I understand <laughs> what you're going through. Like, I felt like I had to deal with my own way of dealing with it by just ignoring it. So it made me wonder how many other people have seen something like this and do the same thing. They just bury it because they can't talk about it because people are going to say you're a fucking lunatic. I mean, how many reports may have been in that same exact area? I mean, this could be like a semi-common thing, but anybody that sees that isn't going to go around telling stories about it. And I mean, even the people that are like you, for example, that, you know, talk about your encounter, you know, it may not get out to everybody in the area. You know, it's only getting out to the people that are interested in these topics and looking for them. So the average person that has these encounters and has no idea where to place it. They just put it in their head and they go the rest of their life, assuming that nobody else has ever had an encounter like that because they don't put a second thought into it and start looking it up on the Internet and trying to connect dots between people. Yeah. But now that's. That's the gist of what happened and why I do the podcast and why I wrote the book and why I'm here today because of all that, I guess, a life-changing experience, we'll call it, that uh, happened that one night that our boss thought she was being nice to let us leave. Bitch should have just kept us there. (laughs) Talk about a weird thing to think about, though. If you didn't leave work early that day, then you wouldn't be doing a podcast at all. You wouldn't be talking about any of this stuff at all. So, like, imagine how your life would be without it. You know, maybe you'd be happy living in, you know, you're just the average everyday bubble or two, maybe you would spend the rest of your life wondering 
like, is there stuff out there? And even if you got into a topic like this and you started getting interested in this stuff beyond that, like, it's a lot more tangible when you have your own encounter. Like, there's yeah. a lot of podcasters, yes, that probably have never had an encounter that go on and they like talking about encounters. But I feel like there's a really good handful of us that have had weird encounters. And that's what leads up to us starting our podcast. Because, I mean, no different than me, uh, the story, the encounter that I shared on your story, on your uh, show was honestly probably the main thing that started getting me into all this kind of stuff. And again, even when I started my show, I mean, I was talking about some of my experiences, but I left that one out for a while because I didn't quite know where to place it. And I thought everybody was going to call me crazy for it. And it took until I had uh, Justin from Cryptids of the Corn and ta on talking about it a little bit that we started connecting dots. And that's when I kind of like fell into a good spot where I felt like I had somewhat of an explanation for my story. But again, like mm. without that kind of stuff, like who knows how many people would actually be talking about this stuff. Like that's the spark that starts up a lot of people to get into writing books about it, to doing podcasts about it, to in documentaries about it. It's a lot different when you have a firsthand encounter versus just investigating a topic that you're interested in. It's a lot more personal that way. And not to try and act like I know it all or anything like that. Cause I'll always tell people I am literally a guy with a microphone. I don't know shit. <laughs> like, I'll look into stuff. I make my own opinions, but I am no expert because it's hard to be an expert. And anyone that comes off on a podcast and says they're an expert in this field, how are you an expert in something that's never been 100% confirmed to exist? Like, you have your opinions. It doesn't mean you're an expert. I'm an expert and, in my own theories. <laughs> yes. So, I think I ruffle feathers with people when they come off telling me they're experts. I'm an expert in this. And the, how the fuck are you an expert? Because... Where's the body that you've ever studied to prove this? How, where's your documentation of the patterns that these dogmen migrate? So just throwing stuff out. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many within the community that want to spout off that they know so much stuff about these things, but they've never shown any tangible, credible evidence that these things even exist. It's kind of funny, though, because then on the opposite side of the spectrum, you have some of the top researchers in the field that are like, there's no experts. They'll come on shows and they'll say that directly. They're like, if anybody acts like they know 100% what they're talking about, like run the other way. So it's funny that even with like the top leading researchers in the field, like it's a, it's a divide between the people that want to call themselves experts than the other half that know and have done a lot of research as far as like knowing people's encounters, knowing all that. And they're like, I I'm no expert. You know, I'm, I create theories and I research it, but that's the extent of it. Like I, I can't confirm or deny any of it. <laughs> no, that's the, that's the thing that I've been encountering lately. I'd rather encounter the dog man than some of the people in the dog man community, apparently just because <laughs> I think the, the dog man killing me and ripping me apart would probably be less brutal than some of these people with their theories and accusations and stuff. But I'll break it down now. What really happened according to the experts, the, the Reddit experts or whatever you want to call them. Ooh, I was excited um, to hear this. <laughs> the first one said I was clearly on fucking drugs. You and the other guy must've been doing something and got off work high or whatever. I was like, first of all, explain to me how anyone that's hallucinating or tripping or whatever would be having the same exact experience. Because I don't know of any person that would hallucinate that would actually see the same things and have the same encounter. I've heard group hallucination a million times, but again, that's something that's never been proven. They talk about that with like UFO stuff when like, 20 different people will see the same thing and they'll call it a group hallucination. But again, it's never, it's never been proven. Even when they try to run experiments, creating group hallucinations, uh, like it, it doesn't work that way. No, not, no two people are seeing the same thing at the same exact time, doing the same thing at the same exact time. Yeah. But that's basically, um, 
that was their explanation. Someone said it was a bear with mange, and that's what I've said before. Is like I know the difference between a bear and it didn't have mange. Well, I don't know why you're throwing that on there. Someone else said we were abducted by aliens, and those were the implement memories, like they implanted the memories into us. And that's why it seems so strange because aliens don't understand that. And I was like, that almost sounds like um, Sandown Clown type shit. But uh, that's like way off the spectrum that I wouldn't have guessed that they would have went with. They took like an encounter and they made it way more out there. <laughs> yeah, but we were both abducted and we both had that implemented in our brains to cover up what really went on. I was like, I didn't have any missing time, so I couldn't say we're abducted unless they have the ability to freeze time and put us back in place or whatever i mean i mean if you dig into it there are 20 and backs i mean it's a fascinating concept (laughs) and then there was other ones that it's complete bullshit which whatever i mean you're gonna have that i don't i'm not telling anyone or asking anyone to believe my story or my encounter just because i want everyone to make the decision themselves i have nothing to gain from it trust me like i just said earlier i'd have rather never experienced it i think because i would have never had to question my own sanity because that's literally what it's felt like i did it's like this could not have been real it defies anything that i could think of to be real like from what i know of reality this is not within my reality so to me it's like i have to be fucking crazy like that's the only explanation i can have is like there's got to be something wrong because this shouldn't happen and going down the rabbit hole, I was like, well, shit, this happens to a lot of people. And that's why I've become more able to accept the unacceptable because it's like, I'm not the only one, if that makes any sense. Like, I feel almost vindicated at this point. I feel like I can talk about this and I feel better about talking about it because for so long I'm not talking about it. It's like, I'm not crazy. I might be crazy, but I'm not crazy in this instance. (laughs) There you know, might be other things I'm crazy about, but not this time. Dude, there's a lot of people, too, that they feel that same way, but it's funny because it's like everybody wants to call like our whole community as like a whole crazy, but, you know, we're some of the most sane people I've ever talked to. You know, like we may have some bizarre encounters, but, you know, we aren't like, whoa, did you guys see that? Whoa, did you guys see that everywhere? It's like, you know, we're looking for an answer. We're not creating something in order to look for an answer off of it. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense, you know? And then some of the things I was going to circle back to when I've mentioned the, the so-called experts or whatever. Lately, I've been getting attacked because of the tinfoil tells meme, and they claim that my podcast does nothing but belittle and make fun of all the guests that come on my show. I was like, I have never laughed or belittled or did anything to a person ever on my show. I was like, so continue to tell me you've never listened to an episode without telling me you've never listened to a single episode. And they came back saying the name tinfoil tails is insulting because you're calling them someone that has these experiences, a tinfoil hat person. That's a crazy person. I was like, that's not what I'm doing, but okay. Like, and then a whole bunch of people started jumping onto this bandwagon of the name being derogatory to the experiencers. They're like, you need to change the name of your podcast. Or you need to not be so fucking sensitive. Don't listen to it. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sorry that I guess not sorry, really, because I'm not going to say I'm sorry for something that I didn't do intentionally. I'm literally trying to give a platform to people to help themselves, like to help talk about it or whatever. Let your voice be heard. Tell me your experience, whatever. 
And then someone said, I'm a parasite leeching, making money off people's experiences. Like I'm not even monetized. <laughs> I could, like, I could be, but I choose not to be. I spend money out of my own pocket every month to do this podcast. Like I'm not trying to make any sort of money. Like I'm not monetized and I don't plan on being monetized. Like that's not me. I like other people do it. That's great. I'm cool. But for me personally, that's not what my goal was. Like I just wanted to give a platform to people to talk. So I feel like I'm trying to be one of the honest people here and I'm the one getting drugged through the mud here in the last month from people saying that I'm a parasite and I'm making fun of people and all this other stuff. I was like, please go listen to a couple episodes and tell me at what point I've ever belittled or ridiculed or poked holes in anyone's story. Like there's been times where I probably could have, but I don't because that's not what I'm about. Like I'm not going to argue with someone about their experience because why would I do that? I mean, talking firsthand for me, I guess on the show, I definitely didn't feel that way at all when I was telling you about my encounter. And I mean, tinfoil, for example, there's such thing as owning a word. So like, just like a lot of things, like conspiracy theorists is a prime example. They used to use that as like a derogatory term for a while. And when you start owning the word, it takes away like the sting from it. I mean, there's a lot of words that people have done that with, and I'm not going to say them on the show, obviously, because it's not my place to say those words, but you know, there's a certain point where it's like, you can see something as a negative word, but again, it's always going to have that negative insinuendo to it until you own the word and make it your own word. And then once it's your word, then it doesn't have that negative connotation to it anymore. Yeah. And like, again, for anyone listening, Tinfoil Tells was originally the concept of a conspiracy podcast to where you talk about conspiracy theories. And what is the stereotypical derogatory term for a conspiracy person is a tinfoil hat wearer. So I went with Tinfoil Tells because I thought I was going to be talking about these interesting, unknown or little known conspiracies with my buddy and then it just didn't pan out. But now that's the that's the latest environment of going on with tinfoil tells is uh, apparently I'm out there just being a grifter, making money left and right. And all this other things is like, I wish I was making money, but I choose not to. <laughs> I'm sure too, even like having your book out there, it's kind of putting you into the forefront more. And the more you get into the forefront, the more there's going to be people that try to tear you down. Like it's, it's, you know, just, just part of like part of the territory, you know, it comes with it. The more that you, do your show, the more that you try to grow your show, the more people that there are going to be trying to tear down your show. And I guess you just have to look past those people and realize that you're doing good for the group of people that are enjoying what you're doing. And kind of like I said in the beginning, man, you just, you enjoy what you do and you just got to throw out the haters with it along the way. And if people are going to be negative about it, then they can just take it somewhere else. (laughs) No, that's, that's how I am about it. I don't try and engage with the trolls or whatever. Like, I did reply back to the lady that was accusing me of making money and all this other stuff. I was like, I'm not going to let someone sit here and just badmouth me without, because if I don't even acknowledge the fact that I'm not making money off people, then it looks like I'm just as guilty. So I was like, I don't even make money. And I, like, that's the one the thing that bothered me the most was like accusing me of something that is a hundred percent false, especially like making fun of people. I was like, that's literally not what I do, but Whatever. You're not gonna you're not gonna change anyone's opinions or whatever. Even you mentioned the book, I've actually thought about that too. I was like, you know, I didn't think about this until after the fact and after the book's been out. I was like, I bet people now are gonna be like, Oh, this dude's just he wrote a book, it's not even true. He just made up some stories. He can write stories, so his experience isn't even true. Why would I make up some stupid ass story like that? 
<laughs> and then expand like, on it for the book. Like, it, yeah, if you like, expanded on the story, you would have just told it the exact way that you told it in the book, you know? Like, what, what was the point of even, like, changing things and, like, expanding on a story? And, like, was, I'm not a book writer. Like, the first book that I wrote out was, that like, is published by me. It's called Tinfoil Tales. And all I did was I used the transcripts from the last year, some of the episodes of the podcast. Like, I told people, hey, I'm going to use this episode. I'm going to use the transcript. I'm going to put it in book form. So... I thought it was a cool idea to have like a written documentation of some of the episodes that I had done. It sold 14 copies. <laughs> like, it's, not, <laughs> it's not anything spectacular. And then I wrote this book and I thought it was going to be the same thing. And yeah, it's actually done a lot better than what I expected it to. And I don't know if it's just because it's fictionalized and it's, I'm not really promoting it or whatever, but I dropped some stuff here in some of these dogman communities just because I thought, well, maybe they'd like it because it's, they're into dogman type lore. And other than that, it's just that's all it's been. I mean, I feel yeah. like the algorithms for Amazon probably push fiction better than they do like true encounter stories. I'm probably, I'm sure that algorithm's probably helping you out a little bit too. Yeah. And then, um, no one's really said anything negative to me about the book yet. I'm waiting for that. <laughs> I know they're going to, I know it'll be out there at some point, but they'll whittle their yeah. way out of the woodwork. <laughs> I'm used to stuff just because I've been in bands for so long that like there's always going to be critics and you can't let anyone get under your skin because if, once they know you, it bothers you, they're always going to do it. So I've learned in the 20 years of doing music, don't even worry about it. Mm-hmm. Like, it it's not worth worrying about. Just and do you enjoy what you do and that's what I do. So when it comes to the podcast, people can hate it. They can leave negative remarks, whatever. That's That's more power to you. If it makes you feel better, that's great. I'm still going to continue to do what I do, and I'm not going to change the name because some person says I offended them. I mean, in all fairness, it's one one thing that I do at least is like you can't feed into it because the more fuel you throw in the fire, the bigger the fire is going to get. Like more more often than not, when I get those negative things, like I, I just don't respond to it. Honestly, if anything, sometimes like if people leave like rude comments, I'll like the comment, and that'll be as far as I go with it because <laughs> it's just like a I hear you, but fuck off. <laughs> I actually just got one today and it wasn't even against me, but it was my latest episode that said, your guest was terrible. I was like, I'm not going to say nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Judge the whole show by one episode. (laughs) Yeah. Your guest was terrible. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That'd be a perfect response back. Just okay. (laughs) Now that's, if anyone can't tell, I'm a very, uh, I'm not, I'm a serious person, but I'm very easygoing. Like, I like to laugh. I like to joke around. I have another podcast that we probably won't be doing much longer, but we interviewed musicians. It's called Dark Side of the Scene. We talk about the bad stuff that happens when you're playing shows. Like, I've been in metal bands. My co-host, he's in another metal band. And, like, we talk about all the shit that happens when you're, trying to play shows and you get there and the venues literally screw you out of the money or the stage doesn't exist or the other band doesn't show up with gear like hey man can we use your stuff (laughs) like all sorts of stuff like that like it happens all the time and then lately venues have been taking cuts of your merch like if you sell t-shirts or cds or anything like that the venues now want you to give them a percentage of it like you didn't pay for this shit why should i give anything to you yeah oh hell no that's a big thing now that's one of the big things that's been going on and that's the type of stuff we talk about, but the podcast was doing good when we first started. It was doing really well, and then all of a sudden, the numbers have just plummeted, and it's like we're getting like maybe 13 to 14 downloads a week. I was like, 
no one's listening. It's like it's died off like the scene we talk about that died off. It's like, <laughs> so it's almost to the point of like, why are we doing this if no one's even listening anymore? It's like we're doing it basically like how many of those listens were from us and a couple other people that keep telling us, oh, we want to keep doing it, keep doing it. We were on the show. We'll come back on the show. It's like, I'm not going to keep making a show for the five people that have already been on the show. Like, <laughs> Just a perpetuating we, circle. <laughs> yeah. We've had like almost 50 episodes. I think we have 45 episodes and uh, – a lot of the new episodes that we could have out are the same people who have already been on there once. I was like, I don't want to keep interviewing the same people because at this point, it's just like a big circle jerk for the same different band guys from the area just talking <laughs> about the same stuff. They just need a place to go and talk shit for a bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, we we overkilled it because we started doing two episodes a week and Mondays and Thursdays we were releasing stuff all summer long because we had such a back catalog because when we first started, so many people were just bombarding us with wanting to be on the show. So we were doing like four episodes a week of recording. And we just had such a big backlog. I was like, all right, we're going to do two episodes. We haven't recorded a single episode since June, and I've still got stuff for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> like, we didn't even start until March. So it's like we hammered out so much content in a three-month span that, like, the episodes that are coming out, we recorded back in June. It's craziness. But, again, it literally died off back in the summer, and it's just, like, slowly just like beating a dead horse. So I told my buddy, I was like, man, I don't know if I even want to start recording new episodes again, just because no one's listening. You just got to tell the guys that want you to keep doing it. Like I'll drop four more episodes. <laughs> Little do they know. <laughs> you guys want to be on the new episodes. Uh, you got to get, bring back an audience because at this point it's a lot of time and energy to do something. If it's not even being promoted, like even the people that come on the show don't promote that they're on the show. So I was like, why do you even want to come on the show? If you're not going to, talk about being on the show yeah like at least like put little flyers down on your merch tables or something like come on now yeah but no that that's the that's about the gist of what i've been up to here and i know we're getting a little close for time but um i do appreciate you having me on to talk about it of course and i'd love to actually have you come on my other show at some point too and talk about your encounter because i'm sure my co-host orn would love to hear it yeah i'd definitely do that Actually, I'll talk to you here in a second off air about something, but uh, I'll do a little bit of plugging again for anyone out there listening. Oh, before we I, do that, of course, I always do words of wisdom before okay. I do all the plugs. So if you had, have any words of wisdom you could bestow on the listeners, what would it be? Okay. If you've ever had an encounter and you're afraid to talk about it, you can find people like myself or like Shane. And unlike what apparently other people will say, we do not ridicule you. We do not try and dissuade any of the information you give us or any, try and throw a different spin on it. Like, don't be afraid to come out and talk about what actually happened. If you don't even want to admit to yourself or tell us your real name or anything like that, that's what I tell people. Just send me an email. It can be an anonymous email, which, strangely enough, I actually just got one of those yesterday. And it doesn't, I tried to reply back and it says the email doesn't exist. Those are weirdly intriguing, but at the same time, very questionable. <laughs> yeah, so I don't really know about that, but but yeah, you can reach out to anyone. I won't say anyone specifically because I know there are certain podcasts out there that I feel like are only doing it for financial purposes. And there are some honest people. Find the ones that have actually had their own encounters because I think we are the most understanding. Wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, by far. 
I'm not, well, again, I'm not putting down any shows by any means because a lot of people do a lot of good work on their shows and stuff, but there is definitely a split as far as uh, people you share your encounters with. And I mean, even besides podcasters, there's a lot of like awesome, re- awesome researchers and authors and stuff that, you know, like to dive into these types of stories too. So even if you don't want to be on like a podcast medium, you could always share some of these encounters with some of the awesome artists that or not artists, but awesome authors that are doing this kind of stuff too. And again, don't even have your face, don't have your name, don't have your voice, nothing. And at least you could feel a little bit better, you know, getting it off your chest. Yep. That's how I feel. And that's how I think other people would if you just explain what happened, get it off your chest. It actually feels a little bit better, at least it did for me. Like it's almost a weight lifted off to know that I can talk about this and not feel like I'm crazy. I'm like I said before, I'm probably crazy, but maybe not in this instance, but moment of insanity. (laughs) That would be my words of wisdom is if you've ever had an experience and you're afraid to talk about it, there are people that'll talk with you about this and not think any less of you. Maybe even throw in some other encounters and stuff that might start connecting dots for you too. That's always the plus with talking to people that collect a lot of these encounters is that they do have stuff to cross-reference with. The more information we can gather about these specific encounters, the more likely it is we can start piecing things together and maybe come out to find some sort of answers. But will that happen at this point? I don't know. So Maybe down the line somewhere. <laughs> I, I wrote a sign-off for the book, and I've actually ripped my own self off because I've started to use this on the podcast. And I was like, I actually like that sign-off that I made for the book, so I want to use that for... For my own sign off. So I've been signing the books with us. So if you read your book, I'm pretty sure it says uh, keep questioning, keep seeking, and keep exploring the unknown. That's, uh, yep, that's the sign off I've been doing. Yep, that's that's exactly what my book signed with, too. I had, I had to yeah. check. <laughs> yeah. So every time I sign someone's book, that's what I've been putting in there. It's like, I, that's my words of wisdom is keep seeking or keep questioning, keep seeking, and keep exploring the unknown. And the funny thing about that is, it said uh, in the book when I flipped into it, that's how I noticed that Grammarly and Spellcheck and all that other shit didn't do a very great job at first because the first version of the book I got said exploding. It didn't have the R in it. I was like, how did all go through all these spell checks and not once did it ever catch the fact that exploring it says exploding? <laughs> <laughs> that's a word now. They added it to the dictionary thanks to your book. Yes. <laughs> exploding is now a word, so I, I take credit. So when you guys want to go out and explode, just let me know. It's a it's a combination of exploding and exploring. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how those go together, but they do in that word. If you look into certain things, you might spontaneously human combust. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I feel like there's some uh, some government uh, touches in that yeah. one if you may explode or or extraterrestrial. <laughs> yeah. The world may never know. <laughs> Just like yeah, the, anyone- how many looks it takes to get to the center of a lollipop or a tootsie pop. Yes. <laughs> but no. I do appreciate you having me on here. For the listeners out there, you can find Tinfoil Tales on any of the streaming platforms, Apple, Spotify, and there are YouTube videos as well. It's pretty much anywhere where you can find podcasts. It should be available on there. And if you want to check out some of the old Dark Side of the Scene stuff, just look up Dark Side of the Scene. You can hear myself and my buddy Ed talk like a couple of idiots with some other bandmates. And that one's a... That was a lot more lighthearted, I think, a lot more fun banter and stuff. So it's a little, little less serious than tinfoil tells. And then uh, also for anybody that may not have picked it up, uh, where can they come and get your book at? It is available on Amazon. It is called Shadows of Cedarville. It has a dog man, werewolf looking thing on the cover. 
And if you order it from Barnes and Noble or Target or anything like that, for whatever reason, the cover is off center and my OCD starts clicking real bad when I see it because I don't understand why it's all so off center. Cause I just got the copy in the mail two days ago and I was like, what the fuck is wrong? And I can't really fix it now. So if you want, you ended up ordering from any of these big chain websites other than Amazon and your book looks a little weird. Just know that uh, it wasn't done intentionally. <laughs> I apologize in advance. <laughs> yeah. Sorry for the strangeness. If it sets you off, just think about the person that made it and how bad it sets me off. <laughs> so, well, the, I'll also include the link for Amazon, preferably, so people can get yeah. the one that's lined up correctly. But I will, if yeah. you want me to, also include the Barnes & Noble uh, link in the show description if anybody wants to go and pick the book up. Yeah, I don't necessarily have the links for the Barnes & Noble or whatever. I know if you just type in on Amazon Shadows of Cedarville, it pops up and... Again, I don't know anything about the other stores or where it's available. It, the thing that was releasing it says it's being published in 40,000 different outlets. What all they are, I have no idea. <laughs> well, hopefully good places. <laughs> yeah. Will I ever see a dime from it? Probably not. I don't. I, even with Amazon, it said I sold 100 and something copies and I made $32. I was like, what? <laughs> I've heard that from a lot of authors. They take 90% of the money from your books off Amazon. Yeah. So if anyone thinks I'm rolling in the dough from book sales, just like when it comes to my podcast, it's just like I've told people from the other podcasts about band stuff. You don't make money playing in a band. You don't make money from being in a podcast unless you're super famous and you're clearly not making money from books on Amazon because I've sold almost 150 books and I've made less than 40 bucks. So you do the math. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, with that, man, I appreciate you making the time to come on the show. And uh, it's been a lot of fun talking to you, man. Yep, definitely. Definitely like to hop on your other show. And maybe sometime you come back on Tinfoil Tales, we can dive into some other topics. Absolutely. I'm sure Orrin, my co-host on Bizarre Encounters, too, would love to come on your show. He's got his own encounters, too. So just another, uh, just another opportunity for a guest, too, for you, my friend. Awesome. Yep, appreciate it. Thank you. If you guys enjoyed this episode, don't forget to share it through word of mouth with a friend, or you guys can always leave a review or rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify. And if you guys leave a five-star review, of course, I will give you guys a big shout out in the show and read your review on the show, of course. And uh, if you guys want to get a hold of me for any reason whatsoever, be it that you want to sponsor the show with your product that may relate to the show in some way, shape, or form, or you enjoy doing fan art, or you know you want to send me some random haunted object or whatever, any of that kind of fun stuff... Uh, if you want to get a hold of me for any reason whatsoever, you guys can shoot me a message on Instagram, which is the form of media that I'm the most active on, or you guys can email me at inquiriesofourrealitypodcast@outlook.com, or you guys can go to the link tree, fill the submission form, and that will go directly to my email, of course. But uh, make sure you guys check your spam or junk folders, make sure nothing gets missed because I do respond to every single message that I get from you guys. And uh, Everything that I've mentioned is all available under the link tree, which is available down in the show description. But if you don't want to do it that way, you guys can always go to your URL, type it in at the very top of your web browser. It's going to be L-I-N-K-T-R-P-E-E slash Inquiries of Our Reality Podcast. And with that, I hope you guys enjoyed the show, and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody.
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.